Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. And normally on this show, we recap all the action from all the six Division I schools here in the great state of hockey. And we preview what's coming up next on the schedule. But we decided, you know what? It's time to bring in someone a bit more special than that. We have a dear friend of mine, a guy that is the, I would say, the voice of college hockey, for those who listen in. And it is our friend, Big Ten play-by-play announcer, Ben Holden. Ben, welcome to the show, buddy. Nick, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, it's always fun to talk with you. And we, I don't think we've done one of these in a while. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking some pucks and uh, lots of other things. And wherever wherever we end up going, I, I love these because, you know, we, we have a little discussion before, but you never know what comes up. So uh, it's always fun to talk with you. And I appreciate you having me on. I think before we get into some of the more hockey topics uh i think it's appropriate ben because uh this kind of happened in your neck of the woods uh i think it's uh, appropriate to uh, extend some thoughts and prayers to uh everybody involved with the michigan state uh tragedy out there and i know for you uh this is very close to home for you too it, it is nick and, and it's uh you know it's all that any of us around here in, in our state i'm an hour away from michigan state i grew up 10 minutes from campus and you know, um, worked in that market for six years and uh, got a lot of friends up there. And I was just up there, what, uh, a couple of weeks ago doing doing a game at Mon and uh, with Notre Dame and Michigan State. And, you know, I got a good friend that uh, was almost was going to go to his office that was in the union and his daughters texted him and said, Dad, don't go. And this was about within the hour of everything happening. So, um, you know, obviously he didn't go and, and he would have never got on campus anyways. I was out uh, Monday night and came back about 10 after nine and got a couple texts and, you know, flipped on the local news here in Detroit and it was, it was all over the place. And it's just, it's, I believe the number is 68 mass shootings we've had already. And we're six weeks into this year. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, yeah, your heart breaks. I mean, it, it just does. I mean, these, these kids are innocent and they're going to college and they're in, you know, a, a study hall and they're in the union being college students. And, you know, I I've seen a, a couple different interviews with the young lady that was in middle school at Sandy hook in Connecticut. And she survived that. And now she's here years later. There's kids from Oxford. Jeez. I'm sure that you guys, I mean, everyone knows about what happened with that one, the mm-hmm. the one in Oxford, Michigan, you know, about a year, a little over a year ago. And and that's probably an hour the other way from me, hour to the north and, and east of me, where East Lansing's west of me. And um, there's a lot of a lot of kids that were in that school that that have now gone through two of these things in a year and you know, again, your heart breaks and, and you think of the families and, and the way these lives are changed. And, you know, this guy ends up taking his own life. And, you know, I don't want to get all political, but they got to change some things in this country with the way that 
I'm not anti-gun in any way, but, and I don't think the guns are the problem. I think it's the problem is the people that are getting them and how they're getting them. In this guy's case, uh, about three years ago, three and a half years ago, he basically was fast-tracked through the system. Got, he served one day in jail for having a gun illegally. They dropped a felony to a misdemeanor. He does a year of probation. He can go back out and get a gun. So, again, I don't want to get all political. I'm not anti-gun. I think the problem is the system, the legal system, and the way that some of these unfortunate cases of, of people that, that struggle with mental issues uh, are fast-tracked through and not treated the right way. So, you know, I don't want to take up a bunch of time on that. I just, you know, again, you think of those families, those kids, and their lives are forever changed. And, you know, Michigan State is forever changed. Um, sadly, now they're on a list of of a school, a university that has had a mass shooting. And I think it's going to change a lot. I mean, there's discussion about the doors weren't locked in these two specific buildings. I think you're going to see campuses all over the country if they're not already they're going to start having key cards or, you know, sir, you have to punch a code to get in or whatever it is. I mean, so I, I just, again, you, you, all we've thought about around here for the last few days is those eight people and, and their families, Nick, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly a tragedy. It really is. And as you mentioned, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated issue that doesn't mm -hmm. have, uh, shall we say, you know, the, the one size fits all answer. Um, it, it's mm -hmm. got multiple, uh, layers to it. And, uh, and again, I think we all can agree no matter which side of the aisle you're on, that something's got to change. Right. I think that's, Absolutely. Least, you know, the least we can say, and, and yeah. again, there's nothing more that we can say that takes away from uh, the eight lives that were unfortunately lost. So it's, it's tough. Um, yeah. so let's do this, Ben, let's segue into some hockey talk, right? Let's do it. So, uh, big 10, because you, you happen to, uh, call that conference and, uh, what a year it's been for the Big Ten. I think what we want to do first here, Bang, is uh, let's just talk about the season in general so far. Um, there's been a clear front runner from essentially even before the first puck was dropped that hasn't really seemed to change uh, your synopsis of the Big Ten season so far. Yeah, and, and obviously that's uh, that's Bobby Motzko's team, and uh, they have been. I've seen him, I think, five or six times I've done the Gophers, including when they came to, to Ann Arbor and that, early season series of Michigan dealt with what they dealt with and, you know, all the sickness and the virus. And I'm sure you've seen, and most people that follow our sport know what happened to Steve Holtz and, you know, was in a medically induced coma and just a, you know, a scary situation, man. And, yeah, you know, that series, obviously with Michigan, had all those guys out. That was not a fair shake. And we saw what those two teams did when they played, you know, a month back. And it, it was it was very reminiscent of you know the, the Big Ten final last year that I was fortunate enough to do at Mariucci with those two teams and you know Minnesota to me is just they're so good I mean they've got six guys on that team that I think are right now going to play in the National Hockey League you know when their season's over and certainly next year and um, you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out those guys again people that follow the sport so uh, they're loaded they're deep. Uh, their defense core is, you know, Fred Pletch, who I've done all my games with in, in three years, except for the first year I was with Big Ten Network. I did three with Cappy, with Paul Kappenegger, but Fred and I are longtime friends. And, you know, we've both been around the game. I've been around college hockey calling it for 20 years. But, you know, when I worked in Lansing, another six years there, so over 25 years, and Fred's got that long in it. And we've had many conversations, Nick, about this Minnesota defense core. Yeah. I mean, you got to look long and hard 
to find, I don't care what conference it is, CCHA, WCHA, NCHC, Hockey East, whatever it was, where you got a core of defensemen like Bob Motzko has. And they're all skilled. They're all special in their own way. And, you know, they got the horses up front with, you know, the guy that I love. And I think, you know, personally at the start of the year, I said was the Hobie favorite is, is Matthew Nyes. And, you know, we've seen what Snugger has done and we know how talented Cooley is. So they've been consistent. Uh, they haven't had many blips, uh, you know, aside from the, you know, they lose to Penn state who they're playing this weekend and um, not for a scheduling conflict. I'd be doing that series, but I'm doing another sport this weekend. So um, I get back in the booth for Notre Dame, Michigan, the last game of the Big Ten regular season, uh, the 25th of February at Yost, which will be a, a fun night. So, um, yeah, Minnesota has been unreal. I did them at Michigan State. They kind of picked State apart coming into that series. They did. We talked about, you know, at that point, Michigan State was the story in college hockey. I believe they were 11-4-1 or 11-5-1 coming into that weekend. But they hadn't been tested like they were tested against the Ghosts, man. And and the Ghosts really picked them apart, and they picked them apart a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, their program has been a good story. Um, Adam Nightingale, he gets some high-end talent in there. I'm telling you, that program is going to be – they're going to be a force because he's figured it out, um, and you can tell the way he approaches it. He just – from the way he speaks about his team and the way he manages his team, the way he coaches his team during the game – it's it's professional style. It's NHL style. And, you know, I think that's been a really good story. I think Michigan's been a good story, um, you know, with the illness issues they had, we touched on. But they're coming into their own, man. And uh, they're, they're on a crash course with the Gophers. Um, seven straight going into this series with Ohio State. And really, Nick, it's that series that they played against Ohio State back in January that really turned the tide for them. I was yes. talking. I was talking to Jacob Truscott two or three weeks ago, and I said, "You've been here three years. Is that the worst loss you've endured?" And without hesitation, he said, "No question. I mean, they got smoked. They gave up seven goals at home. They give up fifty shots. They come back the next night. I did that game with Fred. Good four-two win for them, um, and that's really kind of ignited the fire in them. And and they've been on a run. And I think you know Penn State and Ohio State." Those are two teams. They've been up. They've been down lately. And I think they both got to be careful here down the stretch because they both got tough roads. Penn State's got the Gophers this weekend. Ohio State closes in Minnesota. You know, you, you can't mess around. And and I think those teams are, uh, you know, teams that, that can make the tournament, the NCAA tournament, but they've got to have good finishes and they've got to get some consistency back in their games. 100%. Um we missed one squad in that synopsis, and only because, uh, well, and there hasn't been a lot of positives with this one, Ben. That's uh, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. And here in Minnesota, it's it's kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, old man yells at cloud. And I say that because uh, <laughs> when the WCHA broke off in 2012, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the college hockey purists around this state were essentially in fury like how could you break up the rivalries of minnesota north dakota which is still a shame by the way yeah yeah um and some of the other ones that were out there right yeah. now wisconsin was a big part of that wisconsin was a pretty big powerhouse during that time uh the, it's been shall we say lackluster this year and rumors swirling that you know is granado out of a job and i don't know if you have a take on this um i would say that it's very possible uh, because not only have they struggled too, but as far as some of these big 
other schools around the Big Ten, the NCAT, they're being out recruited too. Yeah. And we sort of saw this with Don Lucia, right? Where it was kind of like this, I don't know if you'd call a slow decline, but uh, it just got to a point where it didn't seem like those top end players, even when they could stay home, were choosing somewhere else. Are we at that point with Wisconsin? I mean, it sure seems that way. Actually, we missed two teams because I didn't mention anything about Notre Dame, but we'll probably get to them at some point. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. You know, I I don't know Tony that well. I mean, doing games in the conference now for my third year. um, But yeah, I mean, it just seems like ever since Caulfield and Holloway left, they haven't had anything. They haven't been any good. And, you know, now with the emergence of Michigan State, as I talk, yeah, they're sitting in the basement. And right now, I think, you know, they're 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 not going anywhere in, in seventh, obviously. It's just going to matter who finishes second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned this because I'm doing the quarterfinal series in the Big Ten tournament. You know, I mean, those could very well be his his final games. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have any insight. I'm certainly fine talking about it. But, you know, for a guy that you see Tony Granato and, you know, as a kid, I watched him. I mean, all you saw was a guy work his tail off and, but it's just, it's a results driven business. That's the bottom line. And if you don't get results and you don't win games, changes are going to come. And in the path that they're on right now, Marco Siki's another guy. I've known Mark a long time, dealt with him a lot when he was at Ohio state, um, you know, and, and, and dealt with him, you know, over the, over the three years of doing the big 10. So, you know, you don't like to see it happen to anybody, but, the bottom line is they they're not winning games and that's not that's not acceptable anywhere especially at Wisconsin i mean that's a that's right. a proud program and a program that's done a lot of winning and they haven't really won in a long time i mean think about this nick the last big 10 team to win a national title the last two michigan state in 07 and wisconsin in 06 and i know minnesota had back to backs a couple of years before that mm-hmm. but I mean, you you can't – I don't think you can survive when you're finishing where they're going to finish and having the kind of season they are. And, you know, I think what you're seeing is now you've seen all these high-end guys go to Michigan. We've always seen that at Michigan. We've always mm-hmm. seen that at Minnesota. But, you know, Logan Cooley originally going to Notre Dame, doesn't go there, goes to Minnesota. And I'm not singling out Logan Cooley, just using that as an example. You know, those schools are getting – the high-end guys, the real high-end guys. And that's, you know, nine years of doing the NCHC, as you know, Nick. And, you know, it's a different conference. Yeah, there's high-end skill and that and talent in that league. But the high, high, high-end offensive talent is going to the Big Ten now. And it it's is. going to Minnesota. And it's going to Michigan. And I think you're going to start see it going to Michigan State, too, because the – I'm kind of going off track here a little bit, but I'm going to backtrack a little. So Michigan State hired Tom Anastas, former player. They hired Danton Cole, former player. They hired Adam Nightingale, former player. Well, Tom didn't work, and I don't think Tom worked because I don't think Tom had enough coaching experience. And I love Tom as a friend. He did a lot for me professionally. He did a ton for college hockey on the broadcast and the marketing side of it when he ran the CCHA. Tremendous human being. Doesn't work out. You go to another guy that played there, Danton Cole, who everybody thought, oh, well, Danton was at the U.S. national team. He's going to get recruits. Then people start talking. Well, guys didn't want to play for him. But you know what? Now you're hearing, and more importantly, you're starting to see some of these commits that want to play for Adam Nightingale. Mm -hmm. And I think where Adam Nightingale has such an edge 
is because number one is that number two, he spent time in the NHL working his way and being around just like Brandon Arado did at Michigan. And I think, you know, Michigan has a good finish. I think Brandon's going to end up being a coach there, but never been the coach, never been a coach. He was an assistant with Mel Pearson for one year, Mm -hmm. but he spent that time in that organization. And I think for those guys, they're both in their, I mean, I've been around so long. I called their both their games, right? So when they played, (laughs) so they're both like between 35 and 40, they're in the primes of their career. So, um, you know, that's where I think this, the landscape has changed back to Wisconsin where they're just not getting those kind of guys anymore. Correct. And, and, you know, they got the Lucius kid and he's a nice player and a high end guy. But other than that, they just don't have a lot of skill and, and offensive talent on that team. They really don't. And it's, it's tough, right, Ben, because when you're in the conference now, and I, I think it's okay to say that the big 10 this year, has overtaken the NCAT in terms of talent. There's this no year it has. And in, it term, has. And, and in terms of depth from top to bottom, with the exception of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They, they really yeah. have, Nick. I, there's no, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I think it's fact. It is fact. And if you're going to be Wisconsin and you're looking at the shift, right? It was yeah. the NCAT dominant for a long time. Oh, deservedly yeah. so, right? Yeah. But when you've got the Division One schools in the Big Ten that show us they have more uh, monetary muscle, than say yeah. some of the NCHC schools that are part of that conference. And mind you, not taking anything away from a good job that those folks do at those schools, not at all. Yeah. But money talks sometimes, right? Scholarships talk. Yeah. And if you've Charters got these coaches, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, Wisconsin is, is, and like you said, it's, they're not just in eighth place or seventh place and they're close to sixth. They're way out of contention. Way they're out. a sole seventh place. And yep. you got to imagine that's, that's going to be part of the conversation and with Wisconsin athletics come the end of the season. You know, I, I wondered, I really wondered, Nick, after the last series, you know, would they do something then? But Tony and his guys managed to to salvage out a win. And, you know, I'm not real familiar with the inner workings of their athletic department. So, you know, I don't know. And in, in, in history-wise, historically, has Wisconsin let coaches go midseason or they just ride it out? I mean, I think, you know, at this point, you ride it out and you see what happens and you know, more than likely, I think they're going to end up playing Michigan in the first round, and it's probably over in two games. Um, you never know, though. I mean, they went three with la- last year with Notre Dame and they you know, found a way to get it to a third. But, you know, it's a different animal than, uh, you know, those two teams are different types of teams. And, you know, we know how good Michigan is and how well they can score and they can bury you in a hurry. I mean, I, I thought they were going to bury Michigan State last Friday. They get up three rip early in that game. And, you know, again, back to Nightingale. They, they found a way to get back in the game, and they they probably should have tied that game in the third period, but Portillo and, and the rest of Michigan's defensive effort, you know, it, it, it helped them earn the win So in the, in the long run. So, yeah. And then uh, since you mentioned Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> Notre Dame is kind of a curious case, Ben, because yeah. – uh, holy cow, they have quite the defensive uh, stalwart last year. Yep. Um, it isn't quite the same this year, and they have also don't seem to have that same scoring punch as some of the other teams in the conference this year either. No, you're right. And, you know, man, I just can't get over how the pipeline of players they have. They do. From Edina <laughs> and from the great state of Minnesota. And, Nick, I, y- you've heard me say this, and I say this. I said this when Minnesota was playing Michigan back in November, I think it was, when we did that series at Yoast. You know, the high school hockey in that state is second to none. I've been doing a little bit of stuff here in Michigan locally with some of the probably the best league in the state. Not probably it is. I mean, it's the best league in the state. I've been doing some broadcasts locally and, 
you know, dip my toe back into high school hockey, which I haven't done in 25 years, probably or more, but Minnesota, they just, I, I, I just, it's amazing. I think there's nine guys on that Notre Dame team from, from Minnesota. So yeah, they're, they're a little bit different this year. Uh, I mean, the goaltending has been, you know, Matt Goliath was great for him last year. I had him in the tournament last year. Me and Starman had him in Albany and they're, you know, a couple goals away from going to the frozen four. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've seen a drop in the, in the guy net. I mean, Ryan Bischel, his numbers are outstanding, but you know, they, they lose uh, Adam Karashik, who was a, a, a portal guy they brought in and, you know, they lost a couple other guys up front. Um, it's just a different group on the back end. I think it's a, it's a group that, I don't know necessarily if they've got that one guy that can, you know, make the wingers better wingers by getting them pucks as quick and things like that. And, you know, the scoring has hurt them. You know, Ryder Rawson got hurt a few weeks back and Brian Rawson's kid. And, yep. you know, he's he's one of their dynamic guys. Trevor Janicki, good Minnesota kid. You know, Trevor's, you know, and his brother uh, have both been, you know, doing what they can. But Landon Slaggart's had a really weird year. I mean, at one point, I think a month ago, he had four points. I mean, that's that's just not going to get it done. You've got to get more production. And, it's you know, Jeff Jackson, who I've known forever and always love talking to Jeff, It's to me, it's an honor to talk to him. It's uh, He's one of the greats of the game in, in, in the sport of college hockey, like so many other coaches that, you know, I've been fortunate to deal with and talk with, like you have too. And, you know, he just said, simply put, he goes, our whole team's just been offensively snake bit for whatever reason. You know, I mean, I think the Janicki boys are both skilled guys. They're both draft picks. I think eventually they'll both play in the league. I think Landon Slagger will play in the league eventually too. Um, but they just they just don't have enough scoring. I mean, the game Fred and I did, uh, what, two weeks ago, you know, it was a 3-2 game. And they fought back, got it to, you know, one goal game for quite a while it was. And State gets a late one and, you know, bang, it's game over. And St. Cyr outduels his former teammate mm-hmm. and um you know so it's but you know I, I think you know for them big 10 tournament i think you know they're i think this though about them with all that said because they're strong in net their decor is tidy but it's not a decor that's going to really i don't think it really pushes the pace it's more of a defensive decor i like nick lieberman i do but uh, they they got to get some they got to get some secondary scoring if they're going to do anything and, and win a series and, and go to the uh, semifinals. Hundred percent. Yeah. So so Ben, with all the other listeners that we have in this podcast, they would be absolutely trying to throw me darts right now, spending twenty two minutes in the Big Ten. So <laughs> we're gonna sh- we're gonna shift gears just a little you bit. Me, you want me to switch to my NCHC fleece? You could now? do that, right? <laughs> I got about nine of them in my closet. I know, right? <laughs> But speaking of the yeah. NCHC, um, and we talked CCHA briefly and why this is important, Ben, is <laughs> does it feel like college hockey is in the midst of a transformation? And here's why I say that. You have next year Augustana coming aboard uh, with the CCHA. Yeah. Brand new uh, uh, Midco Arena down there in Augustana. It looks beautiful, by the yeah. way. And then St. Thomas gets uh, a $75 million gift uh, to build one on campus. Yeah. Uh, would love to have someone get at least 75 million bucks, but you know, uh, <laughs> things happen. Right. Right. But you know, oh, Rico. Yeah. Rico. And I was going to mention with Rico, um, have you followed St. Thomas at all? Because a little they, bit. they've been little, kind of fun to watch a little bit. I know they, they, they beat Minnesota state a couple weeks ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, again, Rico's another guy. I mean, I've known him 20 years and you know, we, we message every now and then I sent him a message after, you know, I saw they got the the donation and, 
you know, wished him well. And, you know, he went through a tough time kind of when I went through a transition in my life and my career. And, you know, he was always supportive of me and, and, and vice versa. So, uh, you know, that's just hockey for you. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's great. You know, and I think, you know, Garrett Boyne, I, I talked to Rabs a couple of weeks ago, just randomly talked to him and, you know, he's excited and, you know, they're getting a, a sick barn and, I think it is, Nick. I mean, Sacred Heart, they got a new building out east. And, you know, I just think there's more attention being paid to it and, and literally being paid to it with all these people donating money and and supporting the cause. So I, I think it's great to see. And, you know, it's it's certainly fun to see these some of these old buildings go away, man. I can tell you that. But but there's a few that I don't ever want to see go away, you know, like yeah. Lost Nice Arena. I don't ever want to see that place go away. And, no. you know, there's a few that, you know, could – could use some modifications, but I, I think the sport is, I think because, you know, it, there's, there's more television, you know, there's CBS, of course, has done college hockey for 20 years and big 10 networks doing games and Nesson showing the bean pot. And you're seeing more and more college players make their way to the NHL. And I, I think it's just, they're just, they're, they're stamping that and saying, look what can be done. And, and the right people are involved and, and the right people with money for, you know, programs like Rico's and, uh, and certainly Garrett Raboyne's program there at Augustana. And with Rico too, the, the big question, and I got to interview him this, this past summer, nice. uh, discussing his last, uh, I say his first season with, uh, St. Thomas, mm-hmm. um, you know, for Rico, who a guy off the ice, who is one of the most authentic, genuine and helpful he, dudes. I mean, he, he really is. is a good dude. He is. But when the clock ticks, for a game look he's out quite the competitor isn't he oh yeah he is he, well i mean you know he's he's uh what do we say he's he's undersized so he's always had and i mean that respectfully yeah he's always had to play with a chip on his shoulder or he played with a chip on his shoulder you know and and so you know i think that's just who he is but you're right i mean he's a he's a great guy great human being family guy you know he he built a heck of an empire at miami and had some great years there, but again, it's kind of like we talked earlier, Nick, with Tony Granato. Mm-hmm. It's a results-based business. I mean, I, I guarantee you, the people at Miami didn't want to let him go, Rico. I mean, I, I, I mean, he was not wrong. No, no. I mean, and and I don't even need to ask him that. I don't need to ask the Miami people. I mean, you 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 had somebody there that basically put your program on the national map, mm-hmm. and, and he was the guy. He was the guy that did that with Bergeron and Berge's another great guy. And, you know, he's, he's struggling in that conference. They just can't recruit. They, they, they can't, I shouldn't say they can't recruit. They're not getting recruits, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you're seeing again with Wisconsin. They're, they're just not getting the talent and the players that they once did and the, the players that you have to have to compete. I mean, you know, NCHC big 10. Yeah. Different styles of play. But you better have talent. You better have depth, or you're going to be buried in the basement of, the, of either one of those leagues. It's just reality. It really is. And, and yeah. Rico, with a brand new barn, uh, you talk about recruiting tools. Holy cow, is that going to be quite the recruiting tool? The Lee and Penny Anderson arena there being built on campus. Well, uh, if I could, real quick. I mean, look, yeah. we didn't even talk about Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, you got the mullet, man. You got that barn out there. And wait, is that Arizona State's or is that Arizona County's barn? I'm confused. I don't know whose it is. It's, it's, I think it's Arizona State's. 100%. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I, I've never even talked to Greg Powers, but man, what what a recruit. But I respect the heck out of what they've done, you yeah. know, and, and they got to find a conference, man. I don't know where that's going to be. 
Um, I don't know if it'll be the Big Ten. I don't know if it'd be the NCHC, whatever it is. But they got to find a conference, man. And you know what? A, you talk about to me. That's one of the ultimate recruiting tools, right there, Nick. I mean, you know, it really is. I mean, it's warm, it's sunny. I was thinking about this is just a random thought here. I was talking to my son. He was over last night. And I was with Kevin Shattenkirk in the American League. Shatty, I want to say, played 10 or 11 games with us. Had no points, but was like a plus 12. I remember the day he got called up, he went up, never saw him again. But he's played in Tampa and Anaheim, the last two places he's played. And, um, I mean, Arizona State to me, man, that that place, that's that's a, I think that's – this may not be going on on a very long limb here, but I think that place can be a powerhouse for years to come if they uh, they get it figured out. And I think there's some rumors swirling around with that, Ben, and not that they're finding a conference, but rumor has it they may be establishing a conference out west. Why not? Why not? And, yeah. and, here's, and here's what we've heard. Again, this is in proven commodities, yeah. but you've got Arizona State. Yep. You got Lindenwood and Air uh, no Air Force is hockey East, right? I keep I keep Atlantic. It up. Atlantic, sorry. But so they should be they yeah, should anyways. Be. Yeah. Uh, you got the both Alaska schools yep. right, that are yep. out there. Yep. And then the rumor has it that UNLV is yeah. pushing division one. They're ready. UCLA as well as yeah. San Diego have done economic yep. studies as well as Oregon. Yeah. You've got eight teams there that if you can push them over the hump, why not Arizona state be the, you know, was it the Pacific college hockey West conference, whatever the heck you want to name it. You can pretty much dominate that conference for the next five, six years. But, more so, Ben, if that happens, let's just say that rumor happens. Mm. How important is that for the game of college hockey to finally expand and hit the West Coast? I think that would be a game changer. Wouldn't you agree? I, I, yeah, I do agree. And I think you could say the same thing. I mean, you see the same things I do on Twitter. You see, you know, Florida with a club team, Alabama with a club team. I mean, you know, the, the hockey's down there. Yes. And, and there, the bigger thing is there's money. Yes, there is. And there's money to build ranks. And I, I think it's great. I think all those schools should have, you know, college hockey. I mean, I, it would be a little strange coming on the air saying, welcome on to the Big Ten Network. Tonight it's Florida and Michigan. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was ready to call a, a football game. But, you know, I, I do. I agree with you. I think it's great. And I think the sport just continues to take step after step. I did not really know that about Arizona State, but that's that's really interesting and you know what? If I'm them, why not play the play the tournament in their building? You know, yeah. if they're if they're spearheading this thing or whatever, use their building to play in. I think that would be great. And I think it's the more growth there is, the better. Yes. And albeit if you don't do that mullet, you have UNLV there. You could go play in Vegas at uh, T-Mobile Arena. So you yeah. got that option there too. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting call to Ben because guess what's happening in three years? The Frozen Four is in Las Vegas. I, I might finally have to go as a fan to Fantastic. that one. I, I've never been to one as a fan. Twice. And I will tell you from an NHL fan, and I know you're a purist myself, um, it's a blast. There's there's a fan experience that they just do differently. From the minute you walk in the door, from the time you leave, it is an absolute blast. Yeah. I've, been to, two, I've been to two of them, but I worked both of them as, in uh, 08 and 09. Okay. And um, but I've never I've never been purely as a fan. So I might have to go to the Vegas one. I've been known to gamble here and there. So wink wink. There you go. Do it. So <laughs> let's recapture from Southwest back to the great state of Minnesota here, Ben. Yeah. Um, because we touched on uh St. Thomas. Um yeah. Minnesota State. Um 
you talk about a team that's been up and down this year. They were very inconsistent early. They have won, I believe, either eight of their last 10 or nine of their last 10. Uh, they've been on a roll lately. And this close to winning the national championship. And then, of course, a team that you've covered quite a bit, Denver, under head coach David Carl, ends up taking the cake. Uh, Minnesota State, that's a tough situation. I say that respectfully because they win with essentially a Bemidji-style type structure where it's defensive first, and then they get able to chip in and score. And why do I bring them up? And that is this, Ben. We talk about those big teams getting the big talent, right? The Big Ten. And with the transfer portal and this year of COVID, we, you know, the, the question everybody has is, has the transfer portal been good just to the big 10 schools, the big money schools, or is there a benefit to some of these smaller schools too? Or am I completely off base? Uh, man, that's a, I wish I would have known that question. I would have researched that a little more. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to use a team that I saw last year and that was Notre Dame. And, and Jeff Jackson had never, he told us, he's like, I'd never gone to it. And he got five guys and they were a game from the frozen four. So, and they lose to Minnesota state and Dryden McKay, of course, they shut them yeah. out. But, you know, for hasty, I mean, it's, it's, it is more of a challenge. I mean, you have to get creative. I mean, they don't have first round picks going there. He just doesn't have it. Nathan Smith was an outstanding college player. They got a lot of other guys, but they don't have, you know, first rounds, high second round picks like Motsko and Michigan has, or, you know, BU has, they don't, they don't get those kind of players. So um, as far as the portal, I mean, I think my opinion is I saw, and I've been away from calling college football for two years after 16 years of it, that sport to me is being ruined by it. I don't know that college hockey is. Um, it's not being, I shouldn't say that with football. It's not being ruined by it. I just, it drives me nuts, I guess, more than anything to see guys. There were guys I'd be building my stuff and, you know, he's at his third school. He's at his fourth school. He's at his second school. Like the message that's being sent is if you're not happy, it's okay to just go here and try it there. I get that guys want to play. I, I'll use I'll give you another example. And I think part of the reason why Michigan State is improved, I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten tournament and all that, but they are much improved because to me, for the last 10 years, man, until this year, they've been consistently one of the worst, if not the worst teams in college hockey. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame for what they've been throughout the course of the sport. But Adam Nightingale got four or five guys out of the portal. I mean, Miroslav Mook is his captain. He's a 24, 25-year-old guy that graduated from Lake State. You know, you need that kind of character. And I think that's with Minnesota State and like Hasty's program, you got to be sure on that kind of stuff. You got to recruit. Obviously, you got to recruit talent. And he's got talent. It's not that he doesn't have talent. He doesn't have the first and second round talent. But you got to recruit the character guys. You got to have that in your room. And I think that some of the teams that have been younger teams, you know as well as I do, Nick, the teams that have won the national titles in the last five, six, seven, eight years. What have they been? They've been mostly older teams. Mm-hmm. Michigan hasn't won a national title since 1998. Their That's teams, 
they're the youngest team in the country, like Minnesota. But Minnesota's helped because of all the guys that came back. But they're, I just think, look what Denver did to Michigan last year. And I'm not picking on Michigan. I'm just pointing out a fact. I think sometimes you need a mix of veteran guys. And I think a program like a Michigan could benefit from the transfer portal. You bring in a couple of 22, 23-year-old guys to bring a little, you know, you have the physical maturity, the mental maturity, the physical maturity. I think it can help those kind of teams. And not that Denver had that, but Denver doesn't have a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds coming into their program either. Denver's, they've had older guys come into their program over the years, even that team that they won with last year that David Carl had. So uh, not sure where I'm going with that, just kind of talking, but uh, I don't think it's really damaged college hockey. I think more it's it's uh, it's allowed some teams to capitalize on it. And if you're smart, like some of the programs I mentioned where I've seen it firsthand, I mean, North Dakota's done it a lot. I mean, they yes. went to the portal and, you know, it's it, it worked for them last year. It doesn't seem like it's worked at all this year. So who knows? Hard to say, right? Right. And a team that we both know very, very well, um, capitalizing it a couple of years ago, nearly got him a national championship. We're talking about St. Cloud. Yeah. And two guys in particular, Jared Cockrell and Seamus Donahue. Yep. Um, Jared Cockrell with Will Hammer, and uh, I believe it was Joey Hammer. Yeah, the Hammer time. Um, arguably one of the better fourth lines that I've seen yeah. as far as good St. Point. Cloud, right? Yeah. And then Seamus Donahue, where he had that good two-way game yep and that's sort of the so the risk reward right ben with the with the transfer pool you have to be sure yeah even if you get these guys in you just never know how they're going to mesh and i hate to say but for st cloud this year they struck gold with dylan anhorn and then unfortunately succumbed to injury just yeah man and, and this is where i'm on the opinion like you i think the transfer portal can be good for any squad to use it correctly i think the question we're at is what's the limitation to it right is yeah. do we want to limit players? And I get both sides of the argument because yeah. these programs are spending hours and dollars and traveling around and recruiting these you know specific players because that they see a fit for their program, right? Right. You know, so what's the balance? I think that's kind of where we're at is what's the balance to it? Um, because do, we don't want to see college hockey become this top-heavy league, right? We've been we love the chaos, we love the parody of it, but we've seen that this year a bit. Yeah. Um, so is there a right solution for this? I don't I don't know if there is a a blanket answer for this. Yeah, I, I really don't either. I mean, I just want to see the game continue to be healthy. And, you know, I want to see teams that, you know, like a Michigan State that have been lousy forever, you know, get better and become a player and, you know, a Wisconsin be a better team or, you know, a Colorado College. I mean, it seems like they're seems like they're getting some traction with Chris Mayotte. They are. You know, and, you know, teams like that, that, you know, when I was breaking into broadcasting, you know, when I was They'll appreciate this. They'll probably never hear this though. But when I was racing home from Yost to watch Frank Mazzacco, aha, Frankie, um, one of my buddies. I love Frank, man. He's one of my heroes, man. He was he's an idol of mine, and uh, back in the day, he was. And I've told him that. But like you know, CC was really good back then, you know, and they were. So it's good to see some of those teams get better. It's you know, it's it's good and it's heck, it's great to see the new programs, you know, like the ones you mentioned, Augustana and St. Thomas and you know, Lindenwood and, and all those programs. And, and why not? If the money's there and you got the right people running it, keep adding them, man. Let's get a hundred teams around the country. Why not? No kidding. Yeah. Um, speaking of WCHA and Frank Mazzacco, uh, <laughs> a guy that 
<laughs> I watched almost, you know, every single weekend, just the way he called the game. And uh, speaking of the WCHF Frozen, uh, you know, the, the final five, as it was yeah. called, Mac, last one in 2012, <laughs> uh, guess what team disrupted a gopher squad? It was Colorado College. It was uh, Ry- uh, Rylan Schwartz, wasn't it? It was. May the Schwartz be with you. Yes, and it was a CC team that had an unbelievable penalty kill. Minnesota had three, mm-hmm. four chances, um, and yep. I think it was a two-to-one game, if I remember the final, for CC to go to the WCHA championship game in that tournament and yep. they shut a Gophers team out. They were, again, loaded with some good talent. So, And that was fun to see, and, and I'm yep. with you with CC. I think they're a program on the rise, and with yeah. Chris Mayotte, Heck of a dude. He's got that program in the right direction. No question. I had CC the year before when Jaden was on the team with, with, with his brother, Rylan, that regional in uh, St. Louis. Ooh. And they smoked BC that I think they beat BC eight, one or eight, two Michigan beat Omaha. And then it was, uh, may the Schwartz be with you. They, uh, they beat Michigan and knocked them out. Just nuts, right? Just, just yeah. nuts. And how, and it's, it was tough to see CC be where they were. I, I think, you know, again, the re- the right leadership is there and they're going to do really, yeah. really well when they're yeah. just going to take them some time and gorgeous building with Robeson too down there. Really, really nice. Yeah. It looks super nice. I, I haven't been in it, but it looks really nice from what I've seen. So 100%. again, another building and you know, that's going to help them, you know, world arena was cool, but you know, the place was never close to full. No, you know, and put a put a three thousand seat building in. Who cares if it's only three thousand seats? If it's packed, look at Mullet Arena. What's yeah. that? Five thousand? That's perfect for college hockey. You don't need a ten, twelve, fifteen thousand seat arena unless you're Minnesota, North Dakota, these big schools that are gonna fill it. So 100%. I mean, even Michigan. I mean, Michigan's around six when it's full, but it's it feels like twelve thousand in there when it's six thousand, believe me. It's crazy, uh, right? Just nuts. yeah, it's awesome crazy let's do this ben um let's just talk about the paralyzed real quick um and i'm going to kind of whittle this down here for you because i'm putting you on the spot here because that's just kind of what i do um so minnesota number one yeah winnipeg number two deservedly right to be there michigan absolutely penn state has been a really fun surprise for them um when they're scoring they're good sometimes maybe defensively they could be a little bit swiss cheese but they've been i will tell I will tell you this, sorry to interrupt, but I will tell you this. When I saw Guy Godowski a couple weeks ago, I said, had I had a vote after you beat Minnesota, I would have voted you one. Because they beat Michigan the weekend before, then they go on the road and beat Minnesota. Dangerous team. They got to figure it out, though. They got to get consistency back in their game. Yes, they do. Um, And they could easily for sure. They could. Uh, BU at six, St. Cloud at seven, who's uh, been a little bit of a rough patch for them lately, but uh, no alarm bells from here, except if you ask Husky Nation, all the alarm bells are selling. (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, The Lawson Lunatics at eight, Ohio State at nine, and Cornell rounds out the top 10. Uh, I don't really think it really needs to be any different, right? Um, I think this is the, the appropriate top 10. And or do you see anybody moving up or down? No, I don't. I think, you know, that for me, the, you know, the two to watch are, you know, Michigan State and Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, you know, those two. And and that's been the thing. You said it earlier. And, you know, all my years doing the NCHC, it was like, man, are you kidding me? This team beat this team and they were in eighth place. No way that happened. But that's the way the Big Ten's been. And I mean, I, we've had weeks, Nick, where teams have moved up in the pairwise and they didn't play because teams in the big 10 one beat one while the other one beat the other one and teams are moving up it's crazy so it's definitely a big 10 heavy year and i think you know 
I mean, I'm confident saying four, um, maybe five, depending on, you know, I don't think six, I don't think six get in. I don't think that happens. I mean, that happened that one year in the NCHC and that was insanity, but um, I think four for sure, maybe a fifth. I mean, it's the, you know, it's either Michigan state or Notre Dame. If one of those two can get on a, get on a run and maybe get to the final. Um, but I, I don't see either team beating Michigan or Minnesota. I just don't. But no. those those two teams, they gotta they gotta buckle down and big series for Michigan State going to Wisco this weekend. They need to take care of business. And uh, you know, Notre Dame's off. They got Michigan next week, so that's no easy task either. No. And you talk about Michigan State. Um Right now, 14th in the Paralyzed Notre Dame, tied for 15th technically. But as you and I both know, it's Atlantic hockey that's yeah. got the auto bid. They'll be the essentially the 16. So you want to be above. I mean, really, the 13th seed is kind of where you're not quite safe, but you're certainly, you know, a little bit better off than 14. So right now, four in the top 10 of the Big Ten, if nothing else changes, they're in. Yeah. Um, just by basis of math, yeah. uh, Michigan State close to their Notre Dame has to pick up wins. And yeah. I don't think they have to win the Big Ten tournament but they may have to depending on how the rest of the regular season pans out well i mean look at it this way so they got two shots at michigan where's michigan now third in the pairwise third so they got two shots at michigan then they're going to play a series where they're probably going to play they're either going to play ohio state penn state or michigan state right they're not playing wisconsin i think michigan's gonna i'm i'm just banking that michigan's gonna finish second i think they are I think they split with Ohio State this weekend. Um, I would say Ohio State, you know, gets it done at home. And uh, it's their last home game of the regular season. And I think Michigan wins the outdoor game. Hopefully that ice isn't too bad. It's supposed to be in the mid-40s. So that might be, you know, so, um, you know, that's how I see that. So, yeah, I mean, there's the opportunity, you know, in that quarterfinal series, there's two more, potentially three more games against a higher tier pairwise team. And and if you win the series, then you get another crack at one of the, one of the teams in the top 10. Yeah. More than likely. It's certainly there, right? Yeah. Um, so Ben, let's, let's switch gears a bit just because um, you have been around the game for a while and I'm yeah. curious to this. We've had a lot of folks ask this question and they want to yeah. hear from you uh, between all of your games that I've called. Now I know there's been some classics including yeah. some recently, uh, what was what is or has been maybe the most insane game that you've called? I mean, just from a pure hockey standpoint, maybe you don't have to name one, name a couple that just been whether it's the atmosphere, few. you know, the matchup, some of your best games that you've called. Well, I, I, I've got a lot. Um, name them. I, well, I'll start with this season and uh, some kid named Luke Hughes scored four goals. Yikes. Is that good? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, literally, Nick, like I'm going to try and reenact Fred Pletch and I in the booth when he scored the fourth that I called it. And it was like I make the call and I'm looking at Fred and we're literally I'm facing the ice like this. We turn and I'm like, I look at each, we look at each other like, no way. Like it was awesome. I mean, I've done games at Yo since 04 and I can't recall a better individual performance than that. You know, TJ Hensick was on with us that night and, and Henner put on quite a few shows in that building. But um, but that was one hell of a performance by Luke Hughes, man. I mean, just Penn State had him. Yeah. And they let him off the hook. They're up three nothing. 
and the comeback starts and Michigan lost a guy. I mean, they take more major penalties than anyone in the country. And I think that could be something down the road that hurts them. They get into a situation, they they take a major like that. You get up against a team like a Denver or somebody with a you know a good power play, that's game over. You got, you know, they've been they've dodged some bullets in that regard. I know I'm off topic, but I just want to put that out there. But um, so that one this year, um, really any Michigan, Michigan State game I've done um over the years, specifically more back in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, when they were both really good. Um, you know, this year was was awesome. I haven't seen Munn in the game. We did both games in that series. And the Friday game at Munn was a was a 2-1 win. They both were in the first series. And uh and I even said on the air, I mean, I hadn't seen Munn Arena like that in 15 years, man. It was wow. You know, I grew up going to that rink with my grandfather and I still go by and tap the seats every time I'm in there where him and I used to sit. So it's got a lot of special meaning to me in that regard. So any of those games, um, you know, there's one specifically Michigan, Michigan state. You remember Jim Slater? Yeah. So I was pretty tight with Slater and it was the year that, uh, that Ron Artest went nuts, the malice at the palace. Mm -hmm. So, and I only tell you that because, we were doing the Saturday game. I think Fox Detroit did the Friday game. And I'd watched the game, and it was over by 10 o'clock. And it was the first Michigan-Michigan State game that I was going to call my play-by-play career. Covered tons as a reporter, football, basketball, hockey, softball, you name it, whatever. But it's different when you're calling it. Mm-hmm. And I always remember when we talked to Slater earlier in the week, and I said, well, just make sure you bring your A game, in other words. And he goes, yeah, you bring your A game, too. <laughs> And I said, you know, I will, Jimmy. And that was one hell of a game. It was like five four at Yo's. So that was that was my first Michigan Michigan State game. Um, oh man, I mean, the penalty shot game at North Dakota's got to be five overtime, right? No, that was the NCHC. Oh. That's oh, on the that's list right. too. Yeah. No, the penalty shot game was when Susie took out uh, Pagansky. Oh, that's right. That was a few years prior to that. Yep. That was. That's probably. Not probably. That's, I mean, because of the environment, Nick, North Dakota, it's sold out. It's Sandalin's boys against Barry, the former roommates. They both played for the Fighting Sioux. You know, the building's packed. There's been a million beers drank. People are going nuts, climbing out of their seats. And we get a penalty shot in overtime. Um, And Pagansky scored. I mean, you know, he wins a game. And that's probably my all-time favorite call I've ever had, to be honest with you, is that that game, that moment. Sandy won't like that, but no. you know he <laughs> understands. Um, that was up there. North Dakota, Wisconsin, doing that regional in 08. Um, I thought the building was – the roof was going to come off that place. You know, Wisconsin, that was the year, the last year, that they let a sub-500 team in the tournament, if you remember. Wisconsin, really, yep. Oh, eight, mm-hmm. and they, because they were like 14 or 15 and 16 or whatever they were, and they smoked Denver, and my guy Matt Ford was on that Wisconsin team. I was with Matt in the American League, and um, and then North Dakota won and went to Frozen Four. I mean, any of the any of the NCAA tournaments I did, I did 12, and, you know, um, I was told a couple weeks ago that, you know, I, I won't be asked back this year and that's fine. It's, you know, a different direction and 
it is what it is. But any of the tournaments I've done um, for for the uh, national tournament have been unreal. Um, there's a couple St. Cloud games, man. The one the one where uh, where Perbix uh, had to go off his skate. Yep. <laughs> Remember yep. that one? I do. Oh, that boy. was unreal. Sandy's still chapped about that one, too. Sorry, Sandy. I'm not piling on you. Um, that was an unreal game. And then, you know, the, the 2019 frozen face-off, Nick. I mean, that was that was unbelievable. And, you know, I remember doing stuff with the league that year during all the COVID stuff. And, you know, and that we started, they started replaying all the old games and they weren't that old. They're only, that one was only about a year old at the point, at that point in time. But so many players that I've talked to or the league had talked to said that was bar none, the greatest college hockey game they ever played in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Robbie Jackson, my guy was in it and, Jack Ashan, Noah Cates, Sweeney. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's so many guys that played in that game. And Sweeney, you know, I wish I would have said this when I called it, you know, the wild pick wins it and, you know, and the wilds building. But it's just, you're so caught up in the emotion. I just called it with raw emotion that that he scored. And, and um, you know, Mikey Anderson, he was in that game. Tons of guys, you know. Jimmy Schultz, and yeah, he was the yeah. It was that blocked point shot that led to essentially that breakaway. Um, yeah, that, that called it. I mean, I just I remember watching that. It was such a back and forth affair. I mean, no team was given inches. There was yeah. such battle intensity from everybody there. And my gosh, I mean, I'm with you. One yeah. of the better college hockey games I've ever seen. Holy cow! Yeah, you know, I mean, I you know, there's just there's so many Nick, and I you know. Starman and I did one at Matthews Arena with BU and Northeastern. That was cool. The oldest functioning ice arena in in, in the world. Um, that was pretty neat. You know, just the, the list goes. I could go on for a half hour, but you know, those are really the highlight ones for me. And you know, probably the and then I'll leave I'll leave it with this one was was my first game as a professional play by play guy. It was Michigan State. It was at Mon. They played St. Lawrence and. You know, that was pretty cool because I was kind of I left local news and I was embarking down a different path. And, you know, Comcast was launching a sports network here and they took a chance and I took a chance. And, you know, people are still paying me to call games today. So it's worked out all right, man. Yeah, it certainly has. And, uh, you know, just I, again, uh, I think. I can say this for a lot of college hockey fans that, you know, the the you you certainly over the air you know, you showcase your emotion, you love for the game. There's no question about it. Um, we can feel that there's no question about it. And if I become even half as good as a broadcaster, you got, that's, that's sort of the same thing. I was, I just, I love the game, you know, the people that are around to the coaches, the players, the support staff, and you know, that's what I hope to exude in my call. So no question, no question, Benny, seriously. Well, um, that means a lot. I just, you know, I, I just, uh, I had so many memories, man, of, you know, just teams and players and, you know, equipment managers and trainers and, you know, coaches and just the highs and lows of teams. And, you know, it's for me, I've been lucky in this way where college wise, I've never worked for a team as a college hockey announcer. I have as a pro announcer, but I don't really care. I just want great games. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, and people don't like to hear that, you know, but they, uh, but you just, I just want the game to be compelling. And I just, you know, I, I've always felt that our job 
as an announcer is to we're, we're getting you as close to the game as we can. So, you know, sometimes it's over the top. You know, I've worked on that over the years, obviously. I think the longer you do anything, you, you polish your craft. And um, But it's just, it's, I love the sport, man. And, you know, I love the people. And I've met so many great people and got so many friends for the rest of my life from the sport, man. 100%, man. Hockey town to the state of hockey. A lot of <laughs> connections there in terms of yeah. passion for this yeah. game. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. Speaking of the passion, right? Uh, I don't know if you going to call us a passion project, but uh, yeah. you've been involved in uh, something with the NCHC, uh, the rise of the NCHC. It's essentially a four-part series uh, that sort of relives uh, the infancy of the NCHC, the start of it, sort of the idea, uh, yeah. you know, kind of going through where it's at today. Um, how fun has that been to be a part of? It's been awesome, Nick. You know, I mean, I, uh, I, I, I love what I'm doing now and all the different things I'm doing now, but the nine years I spent doing games in that conference, man, I felt like coaches and players made me feel like I was a part of their team and it didn't matter what team it was. If I walked into the herb, walked into St. Cloud when Bob was there, he made me feel that way. Lars did Sandy did Brad Berry did hack did, you know, Monty did, David Carl, Rico, Andy Murray, you know, I'm missing guys, Javi, all these guys that, you know, it just, it was like a family. And, you know, it was a traveling show for me, Dave and Shireen. And, you know, we, I've always said that was one of the easier gigs I've ever had in my career because we all knew our lane mm. and, Dave knew I was going to prepare a certain way. I knew he was going to prepare a certain way. Shereen prepared her own way. And we always, we always merged it together. And, um, you know, when everything changed for me and I wasn't doing that package anymore and I wasn't at CBS anymore, you know, we had, we had a couple phone calls with some tears and, uh, but at the end of the day, man, we made a lot of magic for a decade together and, uh, really proud of that. And, uh, I guess to answer your question, it's it's awesome, man, because, you know, when they reached out to me and they said, we want you to voice this. Um, and I said, well, this is great because I'd be proud. I'd be honored to do it. Um, you know, and I'm kind of trying to as I get older in my life, and my career, I'm looking to do some different things. And doing voice work is one of those things that, you know, I want to do and, um, you know, to forever put my voice on that and have it on all those games. It's, it means a lot to me. Um, so many great memories, you know, and I still, I still love watching guys that were in the year, the league, the first year we did it, that are still playing. There aren't many. Um, that was a while ago, but you know, like seeing Mikey Anderson sign, you know, and remember, you know, watching Neil Peon play and, you know, I'm missing guys, but you know, it's just, there's so many guys that, you know, that I became close with. And, and again, they always, everyone always welcomed me in like I was part of their team and, you know, but it takes, it's two way street, you know, they had to trust me and, 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 and vice versa, you know? And so uh, it was, it was fun. And the, 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 the people that are putting it together, they've done a great job with it. Um, I watched uh, the third one earlier today and I get goosebumps, man. Every time I watch it, man. Cause I'm like, yeah, I lived it. <laughs> Crazy, know, I, lived, right? I lived it. And, you know, and the third one was really cool. It was, if you haven't seen it, it's about eight and a half minutes. 
Uh, it focuses a lot on the game Nick and I were talking about, the 2019 Frozen Faceoff title game, which, you know, I mean, that was – to me, that was the national title game that year. It really was, mm-hmm. um, as it turned out. And Duluth obviously won the title that year. but And I think St. Cloud wins it if they win that game. But And then it talked a lot about the pod in Omaha. And, you know, that was – to me, that was once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And uh, I've told you before, privately, publicly, I have no regrets – I'm so glad I did that. Um, it just, it was a cool experience. I'll never, probably never do that again. And nope. it meant, it meant everything for me to be a part of that. And so, uh, you know, I've been tied to, you know, I was tied to the CCHA for nine years. Now the NCHC for nine, you know, now I'm in the big 10 and, uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't miss all the flying, man. It's nice to drive 20 minutes to Yost. <laughs> That's the travel, you know, it wears on you, right? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it does. 100%. So, especially now, man, with how crappy the airlines are. I know. <laughs> and then, though, when you're paying for your ticket, they're always getting your first class, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, fortunately, I had a lot of miles, so I didn't fly and coach much, but that, I earned it. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely you know. had to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> well, Ben, let's do this. Um, we're almost uh, at the peak of the hour here, and again, we okay. appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah. Um, let's do some college hockey predictions. Oh, right. I know, crazy. How about NCHC winner, Big Ten winner, national championship winner? Oh, who takes man. home the cake? I know. So, are you talking? Are you today? talking tournament winner? Yeah, I'm talking. Who is bringing home that trophy? from Tampa and Anamalia Arena this year, and who's winning the tournaments for Big Ten and the NCAA? All right. Um, well, oof, man, <laughs> that's tough. Um, Thank gosh we're not putting money on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> we will in Vegas, and we're there legally in three years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Minnesota in the Big Ten. I just think they've been – I mean, can Michigan beat them? Yeah, they beat them in there. But, I mean, first, they could both got to get there first. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, they're – they're the two best teams in that conference. I think they meet again. I think Minnesota wins the Big Ten. I think in the NCHC, I mean, I've I've paid attention. I have. I've, I've watched a couple games here and there. Um, that Denver team, man. I watched them against North Dakota last week, and that team is, man, are they good. They're a wagon. I'm going to be a little bit biased here. You know where I'm going, don't you? I think I know where you're going with this, yep. Kalamazoo, baby. Mm-hmm. I think the Broncos, Cameron Rose been great. My boy Jason Poland, we're both from the same hometown of Holt, Michigan. The kid's a scoring machine. He is. Um, I, I haven't seen a ton of them, but what I've seen, I'm just going to – I'm taking a long shot. I think they beat Denver in the final. I don't know if that's as long of a shot as people think <laughs> it is, man. Honestly, uh, this Western Michigan team can score. <laughs> They're, but they're also sort of, you know, like a Penn State where at times they, they have trouble keeping the puck out of the net. But that Western Michigan squad, after uh, making the NCAA tournament, winning the first game last year, they've got some momentum on their side. Um, I think with some of those returning players, right, uh, now that you've been there, it's like, okay, now what's the yeah. next step, right? Yeah, and, and first can coach, man. I mean, he's, you know, I, all these guys can coach. I don't mean it like that, but I, I like their team. I like just the, the style they play. They play that pro style, and that's, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's what that league is, uh, basically an NHL style of play. And, you know, it's uh, – but, yeah, I'll go I'll go Western over Denver. I'll go Minnesota <clears throat> Minnesota over Michigan. Are we doing any other conferences or just those two? Just those two. Now who brings home that natty? Oh, man. 
man. Now you're really putting the pressure on me. I know. Holy cow, man. Just one team, no frozen one. four, no nothing. You go with what you want. If you want to just do the championship, find it. Or if you want to say who makes the frozen four, go for it. Uh, no, I won't do that. I, I'm going to say Minnesota. I think Minnesota's, you know, uh, I just think with what they what they had coming back, um, the way they're built, Bob's due, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's due. And uh, but that team's legit, man. That team is so freaking good. I mean, Faber, Lacombe, and Ryan Johnson, and I know Chesley's dinged up. I saw earlier today. Looks like he's. I love that kid. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, you know, Justin Close is. You know, he ain't flashy, man. But the kids, the the young guy stops the ones he's supposed to stop, as uh, Red Berenson would always say. And you know, Nyes and Snuggerud and Cooley and. You know, that line, that brought, you know, it's funny. I think I've texted Mike Brodzinski like four times this year. And I think his kids scored every time. Yeah. It was funny because right. it was because they were playing Penn State, I think, was the first time I texted him. And, it, and, you know, I mean, I've called, I don't know how many goals I've called from that family between Johnny Hockey and, and Easton and, and Bryce. And it was the Penn State series. And it was the second game when Minnesota won. And I said, your kid's going to score any second now. Within a minute, he scored. <laughs> then he scored again. Then he <laughs> scored when we had him at Michigan. Then he scored at Michigan State. Proof uh, right there. There's no broadcaster's jinx, right? Proof right there. No, that's that's that, that's the broadcaster's uh, genius cap on, man. Yes. <laughs> we t- I text him. I just, you know, what a great family, you know. And it's just, uh, but that line, you know, with Nevers and, and, Jackson Nelson and, and Bryce, I mean, you know, they've got it all on that line. I mean, you got Jackson Nelson's a horse and Bryce is a sniper and Nevers just, I mean, Bob told us, you know, back, I mean, I haven't had him in a month or so, a month and a half, but, you know, he, he talked about Nevers being the one guy on that team that, and he ain't flashy, but he's been a huge difference maker for that team. And uh, that line is so critical for them, man. They score, they're big, you know, they can, they can play that game if they want to, but I, I just love their team. I, you know, I can see Michigan doing it, but I think Minnesota is going to get it done in the end. I think those guys are just so rock solid, man. I just top to bottom. I think they're the best team in the country. You're not going to hear any complaints here. Despite the <laughs> well, I have on the soda pod, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> nobody from St. Claude is going to, you know, you try to play to the audience. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, right. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely believe that they're the best team and they're going to win the whole thing. I, I, I know what the odds are there, right? And uh, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. Minnesota, just the depth that they have, the talent they have, um, yep. and like you said, with close. It's he doesn't have to, right? He he just he's, he doesn't have to be flashy, and that's part of that defensive core that the Gophers have, right, with Faber yep. and, you know, you mentioned some others, Chesley. You know, he doesn't have to be the guy that, you know, you lean on like some other squads do where your goal center has to maybe steal you a game. No, yep. like I said, he just has to make the stop that you have to make. He's not going to see a bunch of great ace chances. And when he does, he makes the saves. It's the most complete team in the in, in college hockey. Yeah, I mean, like you always, you always hear the phrase, Nick, and I know you've heard it a hundred times, a calming presence. I mean, you got a calming presence from close – you got a calming presence from all those D. I mean, you're buttoned up. I mean, you know, I don't want to forget about Mike Kester. I think Mike Kester's a pretty good player, too. And, you know, he's a really good skater. He moves the puck well. And, you know, they got a really good group back there. So um, I love Nyes. Um, you know, I was, I'm doing a rugby match over the weekend, and it's a team from Toronto. 
And uh, it's funny, their media guy, um, you know, we get it. We I do like three or four of their matches a year in the in the pro league here in the States, MLR. And and we get on the phone in the first five minutes. We talk Maple Leafs, you know, because he's in Leafs Nation. <laughs> and I go, how are things? And he's like, everything's good. We're not in the playoffs yet. And he goes, how's that nice kids looking? Because he knows, <laughs> you know, that I do a lot of games in the Big Ten and have seen him for the last couple of years. And I said, well, I said, whenever they're done, I said, I think he's he goes right on that fourth line for them. And, you know, he's he's not going to be a top six guy on that team. Not not right out of college, let's be honest. But he can certainly contribute. And, you know, he blew me away last year in that that Big Ten final when he he had another 30 seconds. He might have won that game. He might have. Yeah, he scored two in the last minute. And um, I walked out of the building and looked at Fred that night and I said him and Luke Hughes, the Hobie front runners, book it. And, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to win it or not, but I mean, he's a really complete hockey player and he's an absolute horse. He he reminds me of Ben Myers a little bit, you know, just give me the piano, put it on my back and let's go, boys. And that's and now, I mean, he's got, you know, Snuggy, as they call him and and Cooley there to, you know, to work with, too. And those guys are dangerous, man. So I love their team. It's crazy, man. Right. So. Yep. With that being said, you heard it here first here, folks, here on MNCAA. Ben Holden has got the Gophers, the horse in the race, going to all the way to the Frozen Port and bringing home the hardware. First time since, I believe, 2003 uh, was the last time Minnesota won the Natty again back-to-back, part of that back-to-back yeah. that the Gophers had. Oh, man, we could go on for another hour about those squads. We'll, we'll <laughs> save our listeners for that. Um, with that being said, that will do it for this week's episode. We do want to ex- extend a big thank you again to Big 10 play-by-play broadcaster Ben Holton for joining us, and we will see everybody here next week here on MNCAA. Thank you very much.